What's up, guys? Welcome to the second edition of the Inside the Gators Football Podcast. I am your host, Danny Villanueva, and I'm here alongside my co-host for today, senior beat writer of Inside the Gators, Landon Watnick. And unfortunately, we are without one of our crucial members of the team, just like the Florida Gators this weekend, Tanner Denny. He is out with food poisoning, he said. So we're missing him. But Landon, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. I mean, it's a shame, you know, Tanner couldn't make it, obviously, Dealing with some food poisoning. I just think his stomach is upset, probably nervous about all this Florida-Tennessee hype that's been running through. So, yeah. It's very understandable. This week has been very long. I feel like it's been Tennessee-Florida week for about two months, so I'm ready to get things rolling. Yeah, I'm just ready for it, you know, finally go down. I mean, we've been waiting for this game for quite some time, so ready to get it rolling. I think it's – before we get to the Tennessee talk, let's talk about – the last game against the North Texas Mean Green, the Gators, they won by a huge margin but lost one of their key players. Landon, give us a little recap. Overall, it was a dominant effort from the Florida defense, winning 32-zip against North Texas. The school record, 53 yards a lot. I mean, remarkable stuff there. And then the offense kind of, you know, had its ups and downs, really rode the running game for the most part. I mean, four running backs, each of them having a touchdown combining for 255 yards. And four touchdowns on 43 carries. I mean, remarkable stuff there. And then Luke Del Rio kind of had some ups and downs in the contest. Was making a couple questionable throws here and there. But then the moment late in the third quarter, taking the low hit from Joshua Wheeler from the mean green. Just from there, you know, all hell broke loose. McIlwain's running out on the field, yelling at the sideline, and players <laughs> have to restrain him. And then a play later, Martez Ivy gets uh, ejected from a personal call. And then a play later, Mark Thompson takes it for 36 yards. So it was a pretty wild set of events there. You're talking about a three, four-hour game, and then all the craziness happens within a two, three-minute span. So it's a lot for us uh, reporters to digest there. But, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of just really sums it up. Florida's uh, offense had its ups and downs, but mostly positive for the, mo- uh, for the most part. And then uh, defensively, just dominant. I mean, after that game, Florida's – in the tops and most of the statistical categories in the nation, I think number two in rushing defense, number two in passing defense, number one in total defense. Really, really remarkable stuff there. So. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think the game against North Texas went just about how everybody thought it was going to go. You know, the defense was dominant. Mm-hmm. The offense looked comfortable. The running game just kept on going from where it left off against Kentucky. Everything was good in the third quarter. Gators were up, mm-hmm. like, what, three three or four touchdowns? Yeah, I mean, it was 19-zip, yeah. but you just had that feeling that the game was over because <laughs> yeah. North Texas' offense wasn't doing much. I mean, maybe besides a few first downs here and there, they weren't moving the field at all. And you know what? Three-fourths of the way there, no injuries. I'm thinking, hey, you know, these guys are staying healthy. We're going <laughs> to go in great with great momentum going into Tennessee League. And then, like you said, everything just went AWOL. Just yeah, Luke Del Rio goes down. That was one of Coach, the sequences Coach Max running at midfield. Everything's going crazy. Martez Ivy's throwing his helmet at the sideline. It's it was insane. But um, yeah, that Luke Del Rio injury is a huge storyline going into Tennessee, and we'll definitely talk a lot about that because man, you got Austin Appleby there. He mm-hmm. came in late in the game and. I mean, he only threw it a couple times, yeah, right? Yeah, two of four for 30, I believe. Had, uh, had a couple okay throws, but obviously most of the time he was just handed it off to the running backs, Thompson, P. Ryan, Scarlett, you know. 
really well, didn't stretch the field that much because, I mean, Florida was already in control of the game and was most of the time wasting out the clock. So. Well, there's no point in continuing to talk about North Texas because we all know why Gator fans are listening to this podcast, talking about Tennessee. I think that, that's what every Gator fan has been thinking about this whole week. Like, how can you focus on anything else when the Gators <laughs> have to go to Knoxville in front of 100,000 fans to face Tennessee, their rival? Landon, what do you think about this? What's going on? It's a huge game for both teams. I mean, even looking at it from Tennessee's perspective, I mean, this is on the line for, you know, but this is really Butch Jones on the line. I mean, what is he now? I mean, he's hasn't won a game against yeah. Florida. They hired a new defensive coordinator who even said this week that one of the main he reasons was hired they hired to, 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 be, be to be Florida, yeah. uh, Bob Shoup there. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot on, on the line for Tennessee. But, I mean, if you look at it, obviously, from Florida's perspective, too, I mean, this game's really going to shape the SEC East landscape. I mean, obviously, if Florida loses to Tennessee, they're going to have to hope that Tennessee has one more SEC loss in Florida. So. This, this game is yeah. so interesting. And not only because, like, the stakes at hand. Like, we all know mm-hmm. what the stakes are. But just the mental game. The mental mind games between both teams yeah. beforehand have been insane. Yeah, there's been a lot of trash talk. Obviously, really started up by Jalen Tabor when he saw that ESPN-FBI graphic, yeah. you know, ranking Tennessee as the preseason favorite in the SEC East. And a lot of players have kind of taken it as a chip on their shoulder, especially after winning the SEC East last year. I mean, you look at Luke Del Rio's Twitter. He has that tweet from July pinned up of the chart yeah. with Tennessee having, you know, 50% chance and whatnot. And, and obviously Jalen Tabor's, you know, kind of been leading that smack talk. But then we got ducks and trucks this week from Quincy Wilson. <laughs> the best quote of the season right there by Quincy Wilson. I love weird quotes like that. And then we got the Oregon Duck actually pulling a truck today on Twitter. So everything I've ever been asking for has been, you know, satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's this. I think that the mental aspect is going to be so big for Florida because not only do the players have so much confidence, but it feels like Coach Mack and the rest yeah. of the coaching staff just has an extreme amount of confidence that we haven't seen from a coaching staff here at Florida in a long time. Yeah, I can tell you just from covering the Muschamp era, players were never this confident. They were always falling on the cliches and, you know, just kind of coach speak heading into, you know, their interviews. And, I mean, Florida players seem pretty confident. You could just tell by their demeanor and just them popping off quotes like Quincy Wilson with yeah. all the ducks and the trucks and all that. So, yeah, I mean, Florida players definitely feel confident, and, I mean, they have the right to be. They beat Tennessee 11 straight games now in this series, dating back to 2004, and then they're winners of the SEC, something Tennessee hasn't accomplished in a while. So Florida has the right, you know, kind of talk smack. I mean, it'll be interesting to see kind of if Tennessee uses that as bulletin board material and they come out like a bat at a heck, you know, <laughs> this weekend. But, I mean, I don't think Florida players are necessarily losing their edge. They're just confident. They feel like they could pull off the job. And let me tell you, that confidence might come – come up huge for Florida come Saturday because mm-hmm. who knows? Let's say Florida goes up 7 or 10 points early and they bust out a big play offensively and they're dominating the game defensively. If you're Tennessee, you're down 10 or 7, things are not going your way early. You have all this pressure oh, of beating the streak against Florida. Yeah. I mean, that can be huge. I mean, one thing we've kind of learned from this rivalry now is – I mean, you could be in a big hole and, you know, come out of it. Look at, you know, Florida, Tennessee last year. Gators were down 27-14, and then Will Greer busts out one of the best quarters I've ever seen from a Florida quarterback. So, yeah, it's really a wacky rivalry. Both of the wins past two years have come by one-point margin. So, kind of excited to see what goes down Saturday, really. I mean, just just when you think that, this Tennessee-Florida game couldn't get any more interesting. Luke Del Rio goes down. Mm-hmm. And you got Austin Appleby, who all of a sudden is the biggest 
storyline, biggest <laughs> player on the Gator football team. He's going. To get, he's having his first start here at Florida. How do you think he's going to go? I think he'll be okay. I mean, there's a little bit of a drop-off from Luke Del but I don't think it'll be necessarily significant. It, it kind of changes Florida's uh, game plan offensively a little bit, but for the most part, Florida's going to kind of run with the same system on offense. I just think that you could do more run-based stuff with Appleby, potentially you know, on design runs or play action, but basically that's just going to stem from Florida establishing the run the running backs early on and I mean, those guys really have to bring it in the offensive line too. They really have to, you know, establish the run game. Obviously, Tennessee has been kind of average in that aspect. I mean, you'd think Tennessee would have a pretty solid run defense, but they've kind of, you know, been uh, had some weaker outings against Appalachian State and Ohio for the most part. So Florida's really got to establish the run early, and then that could open up play action for Appleby, who has a really strong arm. Maybe not as accurate as Del Rio, but has a strong arm. Could really test the deep ball, and then you know, Florida could kind of design those bootlegs. For Appleby in certain scenarios, his game plan really is suited best for kind of just that play action pro style deal. Yeah, and I have and I have high expectations for this running game. You look, you you talked about that App State game with Tennessee. Marcus Cox, the running back for App State, mm-hmm. he ran all over that Tennessee defense. Yeah. So if Marcus Cox can do that, I expect Scarlett and Thompson and P Ryan to be able to do the same thing. Yeah, and it'll be interesting too. Obviously, Tennessee's uh, linebacker corps are you know a little banged up. I mean. Uh, Darren Kirkland Jr. is going to miss the game, and uh, Jalen Reeves Maben is, you know, most likely to play, but he's, you know, still dealing with some uh, with an injury there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, t- Tennessee's been taking some hits on defense. You know, at cornerback, they're going to be without their top corner. Injuries, Sutton, yeah, it's huge. It's it's been a huge factor, and it will be on Saturday. Oh, no doubt for sure. I mean, like with Cam Sutton out. You you can see Austin Appleby not I'm not saying he's gonna be taking shots deep all game yeah. but you can definitely see a scenario where it's third and long and he just goes for it yeah I mean obviously third and long you're gonna have to you know pass it deep or you know or try to get the first down but yeah I mean Austin Appleby could really establish things if Florida kind of gets that play action rolling I mean that's really where he finds his strength and it'll be interesting I think with that experience he has you know obviously. Hasn't really doesn't have the greatest track record, at, yeah. you know, just from his Purdue days. You know, had a lot of losses there, but just just having that basic experience of you know playing in road environments like that. I mean, if you know, you wouldn't want to be starting Kyle Trask or Felipe Franks on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys, a freshman, have, haven't even appeared in a game yet. I mean, they're pretty green. And a guy like Appleby, you know, has just been around it. Maybe he doesn't have the best track record, but. You know, just kind of knows how to prepare and knows how to go about his business. Yeah, you hear all the the talk around town now is about Austin Appleby's track record at Purdue, but yeah, it, it, I looked back at it. Austin Appleby didn't have the players around him in yeah. Purdue that he has here. I think in Purdue, the reason why he had so many interceptions is because he was trying to do too much. He was trying to make the big play. A lot of the times, he was the best player on the field over there in Purdue. So here at Florida especially at Tennessee on Saturday, he doesn't have to do too much. He can just follow the game plan. He can be what Coach Maxwell wants him to be, a game manager. Yeah, you bring up a good point there. When he was at Purdue, I also tried to do a little too much. And I mean, I talked to a lot of Purdue folks, especially when he first arrived at Florida, and they were just telling me how Appleby basically, he was always kind of looking over his shoulder. Just at Purdue, he kind of had a short leash with uh, head coach Darrell Hazel and you know, just in that second game in 2015, he threw for four interceptions, and the next game was kind of struggling a little bit, and then they pulled him for a redshirt freshman, David Blouse. So, yeah, I mean, Purdue's coaching staff didn't really, you know, instill too much trust in their quarterbacks there as far as, you know, just 
letting them kind of you know you know play it free and whatnot. And obviously, Applebee's kind of got a little bit of a gunslinger mentality. And then just the overall offense too. Coincidentally, uh, Bob Shoup's younger brother, John Shoup, was Austin Applebee's offensive coordinator at Purdue. And they ran an offense with a lot of, you know, spread elements. Obviously, in that system, Applebee was able to, you know, run it and do some option-type stuff, zone read. But, I mean, overall, just his, his, you know, strengths are better suited for a pro-style system. I mean, people call him McElwain the quarterback whisperer, so I'm sure he's taught him some new things that have kind of helped him improve at the position. Yeah, Saturday night when the Rio went down, um, I was thinking, wow, Florida's really behind the eight ball here when it comes to the quarterback position. But, you know, the more research you do over the course of the week, I I got a little bit more confident with Appleby. Yeah. You look over there in LSU, uh, the man replacing um, Brandon Harris at the quarterback position is a Purdue transfer. Yeah. And, he, and he's the quote-unquote savior down in Baton Rouge for less miles. So, I don't have time uh, to worry about LSU. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see how Austin Appleby does. I'm not saying he's going to go and throw for three touchdowns and 300 yards, but I think he can do what Luke Del Rio does because you look over the course of the past three games for Florida, Florida wasn't throwing for 400 yards and and, and crazy offensive stats like that. I I think the key for Appleby, honestly, is just the the rest of the members of the offense can't make him do too much. Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of give him the assistance, especially in the running game, and then you know receivers step up and can get uh, separation from opposing defensive backs and make plays. A Callaway, Brandon Powell, maybe even Josh Hammond too. I mean, he's listed as a first teamer on that depth chart. If those guys could really step up, and I mean, you got Goolsby and Lewis and those guys, if they can, you know, kind of just open things up for the offense and really serve as consistent playmakers, then you know, Austin Apple doesn't have to overcompensate or do too much. He he needs help and. If he's the one, you know, kind of just carrying that offense, it could get a little erratic because he has a history of being, you know, turnover prone. Yeah, I mean, you said it before. It the game, the game plan offensively revolves around the offensive line and the running backs. If that's not going good for Florida, Florida's definitely in trouble. Mm-hmm. But looking over onto the defensive side of the ball, um, Florida totally outmatches Tennessee, in yeah. my opinion. Well, especially defensive line versus offensive line. I mean, Tennessee's offensive line has been really shaky. I mean, I spoke with uh, a beat writer for VolQuest.com, and we have the Q&A on our website uh, under Behind the Enemy Lines, and he was just discussing how the offensive line has been kind of shaky up to this point. Um, obviously, they get a key piece back in uh, Chase Hall, uh, right tackle. He's expected to play this weekend. But, yeah, Tennessee's offensive line is kind of underproduced, and Florida's defensive line is up there with the best in the country. So, yeah, I mean – it's going to be uh, kind of uh, somewhat lopsided, but but we'll see. Tennessee has a history of you know you know establishing the run successfully, and it's, it's that's going to be the match where I really want to yeah. see the most. Uh, I was mentioning it to our to our subscribers today on uh, ITG, but yeah, containing Josh Dobbs is going to be key. Florida's really going to have to you know keep a spy on him and you know kind of make sure that he, he doesn't you know take off because. You remember the last game? Missed tackles were such an issue. It was more than like two dozen missed tackles, something crazy like that gator players were struggling wrapping up in the backfield and really let jalen hurt and josh dobbs go off for several amount of yardage there talking about the tennessee offensive line they they definitely not have passed the eye test look at app state app state was pushing tennessee's offensive line around and if you think about florida's players they got to be licking their chops yeah i mean they're they're probably hungry too like i mentioned you know just kind of avenge all their mistakes from last year. There was such a ton of missed tackles there. Um, 
guys have been mentioning that all week, just, you know, kind of trying to stay disciplined and within their gap responsibilities. And, yeah, I kind of want to see if Florida really keeps a spot on uh, Dobbs, you know, just kind of when he rolls out of the pocket. If, you know, Anzalone, you know, he, he could, you know, how, with how he's playing, especially lately, he, he could, I you know, give Josh, Josh Dobbs yeah. some trouble, yeah. But on the defensive line, who do you think as an individual will make an impact? Honestly, I just think the whole group is going to play particularly well. There hasn't really been one guy necessarily that's stood out from the whole pack there. They've all, you know, been solid contributors. Maybe Jabari Zanega has had the four sacks and is getting the attention as a redshirt freshman, but a lot of that is created just from what the other guys have been able to do and, you know, just helping them open up things on the edge a little bit. But, yeah, it's hard to really pick one guy necessarily on that defensive line because they've all been solid and maybe not necessarily filling up the stat sheet like you would imagine, but they've Opened up things for Florida's linebackers, and obviously Jared Davis and Alex Anzalone have, you know, really done some big things as far as, you know, stat lines go up to this point. Yeah, I agree with you, Landon. The focus on Saturday needs to be stopping Joshua Dobbs. You know, Jeff Collins has been talking about it off, all offseason, that the game that he regrets the most defensively is that Tennessee game because he thought his team could do a lot better than they did. You know, Joshua Dobbs was running all over them that game last last season in the Swamp. So I expect a lot better outcome when it comes to defense. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Obviously, on Gator Talk tonight, McLean kind of let in a little bit of what, you know, Florida's going to do defensively. He was just talking about, you know, gap responsibilities and what Josh Dobbs does in the uh, quarterback run option game. And he was mentioning, you know, just Florida might need to keep its uh, cornerbacks in man on, you know, some islands and, and bring a guy down in the box, maybe one of the safeties like May. So, you know. Florida's going to, you know, make sure, you know, that, the, you know, Tennessee doesn't have those open running, you know, lanes, that, you know, really going to stack the box and, you know, just because obviously that's, you know, kind of the bread and butter and really, you know, kind of test the Tennessee uh, vertically because obviously, you know, they haven't been able to do that, haven't been able to really stretch the field in that aspect, don't really have a much of a deep threat on that roster. And, and Josh Dobbs is, you know, passing hasn't been, you know, up to par so. Yeah, I agree with you. The Gator defense definitely needs to force Tennessee to throw the ball down the field. You know, I was reading your Q&A session with the beat writer from BoldQuest.com. He said it. You know, Joshua Dobbs has been very inconsistent when it comes to throwing the football. So, I mean, you have to play to their weaknesses. I I would force Joshua Dobbs to try to make the tough decision. You know, maybe make him have those mental mistakes. That can be a huge uh, momentum shifter for Florida. Yeah, obviously, kind of the big stat from last year's contest was that Dobbs led Tennessee in you know passing yards, rushing and receiving. He had that you know trick play touchdown, but I mean passing wise, he only threw for eighty three yards against Florida last year. They really did all their damage on the ground, and that was just because of missed tackles and you know just missed gap responsibilities. And if Florida could really you know kind of swamp that up, then it's going to be tough for Dobbs to really you know throw over that Florida secondary. And Quincy and you know Wilson and Jalen Tabor have been pretty excellent up to this point. What do you think about Tennessee's wide receivers? Do you think they're capable of making that big play and really hurting this Florida secondary, or do you think they're pretty much pedestrian? Well, it's just, I mean, they're going up against, you know, Florida's corners. It's going to be tough. <laughs> uh, I mean, Tabor and Wilson, you're not, you're talking about one of the best cornerback tandems in the nation. And, and Marcus May is an elite safety, too. And Duke Dawson's been playing exceptionally well. And it kind of depends on, you know, the lineup. Obviously, he'll play some nickel. But if Florida kind of runs more 4-3, he could even see some time outside a cornerback and kind of be that third guy in the rotation. So it'll be interesting, but, I mean, Tennessee's wide receivers aren't necessarily bad. I mean, they got some young playmakers there, but Florida's defensive backs are definitely superior. 
And the one of the more interesting things about this football game come Saturday is that Tennessee really likes to put the ball on the ground. You, wa- I've been watching them mm-hmm. in their games against App State. You know, uh, Joshua Dobbs almost fumbling in the end zone in overtime, and mm-hmm. against Virginia and Ohio, they're very prone to uh, letting go of that football. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's been an issue. Obviously, you know, just you know, keep, keeping the <laughs> keep you know holding on to the ball, and I mean, Florida's got to you know force some turnovers. Obviously, I mean, Gators have made some plays the past couple of days, but. Or past couple of games, but you know, just obviously McIlwain would like to have Florida, you know, m- more active when it comes, you know, first forcing turnovers and whatnot. And I mean, you look at Florida now. I mean, obviously they're tied for twentieth in the nation and they're plus three in the turnover margin. But I mean, Florida could do more. I, I mean, they're only plus three against three opponents like you know Kentucky, North Texas, and UMass. I mean, it, sh- it should be more than that, especially with you know how disruptive the defense has been in, in other areas. Florida's going to definitely need to, you know, force some turnovers this weekend and really, you know, help out the offense a little bit. Well, we've talked about the schemes when it comes to offense and defense, but let's talk about let's talk about players to watch for. Players you think that are going to make a huge impact in Knoxville. Yeah, I mean, obviously we have a roundtable running tomorrow, kind of, and that was actually one of the questions, just like which Gator is going to have the biggest impact. And I didn't pick one, but I picked four that. You know, just the forehead of monster running back, you know, Mark Thompson, Jordan Scarlett, Jordan Cronkite, and Will Michael P. Ryan. Those guys are going to be huge. However, Florida chooses to utilize them. Maybe, you know, all four kind of see even touches or maybe one guy rides a hot hand and they go with one guy. But, I mean. Which, which guy do you think is a better fit when it comes to Tennessee's defensive scheme? Do you think it'll be Thompson? Because he's very good at running in, in between tackles. Uh, yeah, I mean. Thompson could do some things as an inside runner. I just kind of want to see him do, do it more consistently, especially on those uh, short yards downs. He just needs to run a little more aggressively and, you know, just behind his pads a little bit more. And I mean, he's kind of struggled. Obviously, we've, we discussed that. Obviously, the blocking up front could be a little bit improved, but he he's kind of, you know, not done too great in some short yard situations. So he needs to kind of be more aggressive on that end. But, yeah, I mean, Florida's, all four Florida's running back really added different dimensions to the table and, I've all done some nice things. I mean, you mentioned Thompson. Obviously, he can do a few things as an inside runner, given you know the blocking and the scenario. But really, most of his yards have kind of come on you know explosive plays on the outside when he finds you know space. And I mean, you look at the last game when he found space, and he took it for thirty-six yards, and then a twenty-yard touchdown where he looped over a defender. You don't really see many six-two guys doing that. But honestly, I think Florida's three best backs have been the other three. Cronkite really hit the hole as well yeah. and ran with authority in the last game. Scarlett has kind of been a little inconsistent, but when when he's you know performed well, he's you know fought for extra yardage and you know displayed some nice things as well. But P Ryan, the freshman, he's yeah. he's been incredibly impressive. I mean, the kid the kid can move. In his and first SEC that, game, yeah. he ran for over 100 yards and caught a touchdown. Do you think that's happening again? I, I mean, it'll be interesting. It, 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 he could if you know he kind of gets the hot hand Saturday and Florida rides with him, but. It's going to be a tall task, I mean, for any true freshman on the road there to really step it up. I kind of want to just see how much composure he has because, um, I mean, in that first game, he fumbled on his first carry. Obviously, got to be some nerves there, but he really bounced back in games two and three. I mean, this is going to be a pressure-filled environment, his first SEC road game. If he could, you know, kind of stay calm, you know, keep his ball security good and, you know, pound it like he's been doing the past couple games, you know, he could see an increased role Saturday. We mentioned last podcast – Jordan Cronkite being the odd man out. We were we were wondering why that was so. And, you know, he has this big game against North Texas. 
Yeah. And he doesn't look like the odd man out. He looks like one of the main centerpieces of that four-headed monster at running back. What did you see from him last Saturday? Yeah, you mentioned Cronkite. I, I mean, the surprising part is you mentioned him having a big game, but he had the least carries out of you know four to four running backs, rushed it nine times for 46 yards and a touchdown, and then you know helped out in the passing game too, caught three balls for 22 yards. But, yeah, he, he's really helped out on third down. Uh, Mack would even mention it on Gator Talk uh, earlier Thursday. He was – just kind of discussing how Cronkite really graded out the best out of all four running backs. He, like I said, you know, hit the holes hard, ran with authority. Maybe he doesn't have some of the physical attributes of the ceiling like some of other some of the other Florida running backs on the roster. But kid's pretty good, and he definitely deserves playing time. He does some good things on third down as a you know pass catcher and you know just a kind of runner you know in some of the situations. But I mean, the kid definitely deserves more of a role. He hasn't you know been seeing as many carries as some of the others, and Florida needs to get him more involved. Yeah, you're talking about the production from the running back group. Four touchdowns in total. Thompson, Scarlett, P. Ryan, Cronkite. Yeah, and that North Texas game. And North <laughs> Texas all had touchdowns. They ran for 255 yards. Um, we both know that Florida-Tennessee is going to be a defensive-minded game. Yeah. But if Florida can run for 200 yards total and maybe score two touchdowns, I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's... Honestly, I mean, we're going to get the score prediction soon, but I just – it's going to be tough for Tennessee to score, you know, just more than, I, I think, 20 points. It's This Florida defense is looking really good. Especially wait, wait, you mean you're not going to go with your pal Clay Travis, 45 points, Tennessee? <laughs> no. <laughs> Tennessee's passing game is just overmatched. And, and Florida, you know, can kind of shut down the run and really force Josh Dobbs to throw downfield. I don't see Tennessee really – Scoring that much because Florida's secondary has been pretty locked down up to this point. Yeah, we both expect this team, this game to be neck and neck the whole way. What could be a difference maker, and which is on Florida's side, is special teams. Kicking, yeah. kicking field goals late in game. You don't know if Florida's going to be down a couple points and they need to tie it up or even go for the win. Eddie Pinero, huge weapon. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really you know a big deal for Pinero if he could really step up this game. And they're talking about uh, Pinero's first true collegiate road contest, and what a way to you know start it with a uh, hundred thousand fans, you know, <laughs> uh, booing you in Knoxville. It's, it's really going to be a test of you know kind of his resolve and mental composure. I mean, McElwain made the joke at Wednesday's press conference. Uh, I mean, if it's not a, if it's not the World Cup, he's not really worried about anything. <laughs> so, I mean, I kind of want to see you know how calm you know Pinero kind of stays in that situation because obviously the Kentucky game he was kind of overkicking it a little bit and. I mean, missed two from 48 and 42, but then hits a 54-yarder. So it was, it, we've seen, you know, some highs and lows from Pinero through the first three games, but it's been mostly good. But that road contest is really going to you know, be a test of what he's capable of. We're going to really learn a, a lot about Eddie. Yeah, Mac Wayne said today on Gator Talk that he is not afraid to use Pinero from anywhere. Yeah. I mean, the whole offseason, Mac Wayne's been – saying how he's been preparing Eddie for the crowd, you know, having the whole team around him, yelling at him when he kicks these field goals in the indoor practice facility. But, I mean, you got the whole team yelling around you, and then you got 100,000 fans at Tennessee. Yeah. It's going to be a huge test for composure for Eddie Pinero, and I'm really excited to see how that goes. And that's the thing. He has the leg. He, we've seen him kick it, you know, from 50-plus a bunch of times now. I just kind of want to see how he handles maybe those shorter attempts, maybe in the 30-yard range. You know, just when the pressure's on, maybe if he has to do it in a late game situation, if he could knock down those field goals and prove to be competent in that regard, I mean, sky's the limit for the kid. Yeah. 
Um, I agree with you there, Landon. But what about let's get into the more interesting part of the podcast yeah. predictions. Yeah. Uh, this we're going to be discussing what we think. Uh, Landon, I'll let you start it off. Yeah, I mean, I kind of hinted at before. I mean, I'm picking Florida. I'm going to go Florida 20, Tennessee 17. Obviously going with the under there. But, yeah, I just think Florida has the edge. I mean, I think the running game will establish itself. Obviously, the offensive line has got to, you know, help out on that end. But I think the group will be a little more in tune. And, I mean, Austin Appleby, you know, could help out, you know, opening things up in play action if that running game is established early and often. Yeah, I just don't think Tennessee's going to hang that much points on Florida's defense. I think, you know, the group is just too solid in all three phases to, you know, let anything egregious happen. I'm going to speak for our fallen friend <laughs> Tanner here. I talked to him after uh, the North Texas game when we're headed back to the press box in the swamp, and um, it was right after the Del Rio injury. And I asked him, hey, with Del Rio out, you think Florida has a shot? He laughed at me. He's like, no, we, Florida doesn't have a shot. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about it today, obviously. And he yeah, says he's, changed, he's, 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 he's had a change of heart. And he's predicting Florida winning twenty to seventeen. Yeah, by that, that, that score sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm with I'm with Tanner. Uh, uh, I think that Florida is going to come in to Tennessee with a little chip on their shoulder. Uh, I think they got a lot of proof to the six point five underdog. I know you don't like the spread. You know I don't trust yeah, you with the spread. I, I, I mean, this is kind of my take. I, obviously, I, my pick is going towards Florida, but I mean, t- Tennessee can very well win the game. I just think if Tennessee does happen to win, they're not going to win like win by a considerable margin, like Clay Travis yeah. picked, like forty-five <laughs> to ten. I, I think it's a coin toss, man. I think rivalry games yeah. like this. They've gone in favor yeah. of Florida for but, the past 11 years, but in yeah. games like this, I'm always scared to predict because anything can happen, yeah. especially in college football. But, but I mean, if Tennessee's going to win, it's going to be a low-scoring affair, but I mean, I'm not Florida, and I think they're going to win by, you know, just one score. I, I don't see anybody, you know, routing anybody, anybody else, because, I mean, this rivalry's been so close, and, you know, just kind of how the teams match up, I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. The way I see Tennessee winning this game is... Um, just Austin Appleby just self-destructing, throwing interceptions, being crazy, and Florida not being <laughs> yeah. able to get any production like we saw yeah. at the end of last year. But I think Saturday, uh, the Florida running game, like we said, yeah. has a good game, 200 yards, two touchdowns, game manager Austin Appleby. Yeah, I mean, Florida's going to need some production, too, out of the wide receivers. Obviously, Callaway, you know, got coming back from the quad injury. That's huge for Florida. I mean, McElwain's listening was questionable or probable, but... I mean, we all know. We all know. We all know. We, know, we all know that it's probable. We, we all know Callaway's going to be yeah. there. But, uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we, he's expected to play, but, you know, will he be 100%? Will he have any lingering issues? Will he be effective target for Austin Appleby? That's kind of what I want to monitor, and then... You got guys like Brandon Powell, like I mentioned before, Joshua Hammond. Those guys are really going to have to step up and be regular playmakers and, you know, just in that short yards passing game for Appleby. Last podcast, I was the quote-unquote Skip Bayless of the show. <laughs> I went Sorry ag- for giving you I, that I, I went against you and Tanner with the spread. Mm-hmm. But you know what? The duck does not pull the truck on Saturday. Okay, Quincy. I, I say 28 21 Florida. I think Florida f- scores four touchdowns oh, wow. on Saturday. So no, so no Pinero field goals. Um, extra points, man. Maybe, maybe extra- a two point conversion to kind of even things up there. <laughs> <laughs> extra points. I expect Austin Appleby to surprise some people. Okay. 
Yeah. So those are our predictions. Landon, it's going to be a fun one on Saturday. Any final thoughts? Uh, we pretty much covered everything. I, I'm honestly just ready for this on the roll. I kind of want to just watch this game and, you know, I mean, we're going to learn a lot about this Florida football team come Saturday. I mean, we, we've learned some things for the first three games, but I think this is really a defining point in the season. I mean, I'm not going to call it the turning point of the season. No, but, no. But I, we're going to learn a whole lot from this team. I think it's weekend. the biggest game of the season. I think it's bigger than Georgia. I think it's better. It's bigger than the Florida State game. I mean, if to use a Macklinism, it's the biggest game because it's the next game. <laughs> Gators have to win the now. That's, yeah, that's yeah, all yeah you, they got to win the yeah, now. That's all you got to say. should be a lot of fun. <laughs> it should be. Um, once again, your Twitter handle, the one you paid a lot of money for, oh, yeah. at Landon Watnick. Yes, at Landon Watnick all the way through. No underscores, nothing, no funny business, just at Landon Watnick. Yeah, follow him at Landon Watnick. You can follow me, Danny Villanueva, at Danny underscore 361. But guys, there's a lot of content right now on InsideTheGators.com. Oh, we got we got a smorgasbord of content. I mean, we've got things a ton from this week running already. We've got things that are going to publish on Friday. I mean, we got an offer right now that's running, you know, best time of the year to do it. I mean, you know. Those message boards, the alley gets pretty fun around this time of year. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of the best subscribers, a lot of them, you know, post a lot of really interesting, you know, discussions. And obviously, we'll have our content, inside info, and everything else in between. I mean, it's a a great time, you know, know, kind of just hop on ITG right now. We've got a lot cooking on our site. Yeah, my favorite one is the the, the Q and A with the other team's beat writer. One with yeah, behind enemy lines. Yeah. Behind enemy lines. That's definitely my favorite article weekly. But guys, hey Landon, we survived this one without Tanner. Yeah, no, we, we did it we, somehow. We, we put this this podcast on our backs. What are we, what are we gonna do <laughs> next time around? <laughs> Tanner's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> we try to get Blake. Blake had something to do, yeah. so we're like, you know what? It's it's up to us. We gotta we gotta put this out there. Two man wrecking crew. We we couldn't go without a podcast on Florida Tennessee week, guys. We want to thank you for listening in again. Enjoy the game on Saturday, and please make sure to follow along with all the content on InsideTheGators.com. See you soon. Bye.